Hello, and welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. Uh, we are covering all of the animated and live-action entries in, in the Lupin the Third franchise in, mostly, chronological order. And this is our weekly reaction series to Part 6, Tea Time. I'm Drew. I'm Chris. I'm Emma. Returning guest from our wonderful review of Lupin the Third the First. We're happy to have you back. Come on, man. You gotta, you gotta use the full title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lupin, Lupin the Third, the, the movie, movie, the first. The first. and also joining us today is a very special guest you will know her as the artist behind our incredible new banner uh, for the show Um, uh, also the illustrator for uh, aficionados chris's upcoming book um, uh, the master thief files Uh, it's a it's a guidebook to uh, basically uh, uh, the the ultimate guidebook to Lupin the Third, at least we're we're hoping for that. <laughs> oh hell yeah, it's gonna be great. So uh, we are joined by you may know her on Twitter as the Abby Rody, <clears throat> the Abby Rody, Lauren. How you doing, Lauren? I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly decent. Yeah, I'm like, it's 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 uh, currently very rainy and cold, but it's it's good. It's it's good cozy times with friends here. <laughs> very nice. Very nice indeed. It is um, uh, now for every special guest on uh, Cyber and Cigarettes. We just have a few questions. Um, How did you get into Lupin the Third? So, uh, well, I want to say it started back in. Well, it started actually during quarantine in 2020. Um, it was I, my best friend Chrissy, who is uh, actually Cosmic Keyframe on uh, on Twitter and on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, she introduced me to Lupin as like a little outlook going like, you should like get yourself lost in a show and then, you know, you know, de-stress, unwind, watch some funny monkey. <laughs> and I'm like, I had no idea of this franchise, but the moment I dove in, I had no idea I would fall this hard. It was like very steadily just snowball effect. I just started just consuming all the media and before I knew it, I was I was making art. I was meeting people in the loop loop twit universe, uh, <laughs> and uh, and all of the events of this year in particular um, had a lot of partnerships that led to like Lupin gigs. So like uh, if you know the artist Chi Chi on YouTube, she's a fantastic singer and voice actress. Uh, you may know her if you're in the Hasbin Hotel fandom. You may know her as the singing voice for uh, Cherry Bomb from the Ooh. addict music video. So, uh, but she did a loop on the third rap with a bunch of other cool people. And I got to do the art for her video for that. So um, I'll, and uh, yeah, and then let's see. Then later on in the year, obviously I started working with uh, Chris on his book. Before that, I got to actually do uh, art for his Lupin compendium that he released last year, which you should go check out because he has a YouTube channel, by the way. Yes, this will be a bunch of cross-promoting, I guess. <laughs> but um, uh, but I did make the artwork for his video for that as well. And um, and then, long story short, uh, as you pray, may have already been able to tell, uh, I've been, I got uh, picked up by Doug Erholtz to do prints for him for Anime NYC. So, for those who don't know Doug Erholtz, that's the English voice actor for Zenigata. So there you go. 
Very been, nice. doing, been keeping myself busy. <laughs> but, uh, but outside of the, the loop on stuff, uh, I am a storyboard artist, a character designer, anim- character animator. Uh, went to school for animation, actually. I have a degree in animation from LMU. And, uh, and I've worked with Disney, Warner Brothers, uh, NBC, Universal, uh, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. That was my first gig <laughs> straight out of college, uh, working on their merchandise and stuff. So, uh, so I've had brand experience from that and everything. Uh, so entertainment is all about, anim- animation in general is all about what I do. So, Our Lord and Savior, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> if you if you if you weren't a parrot head before listening to your stuff, you always are after. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen, indeed. But yeah, that was my first gig out. That was my first gig out of college. Was actually going to be picked up to work on his merchandise, which was a lot of fun and a lot of puns. So <laughs> right up my alley, a lot of birds and a lot of puns. Very nice. Oh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Chris is like <laughs> speaking my language. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I think I speak for everyone here. It is an absolute honor to have you on the show to talk about the uh, the Monkey Man and his and his most recent adventure. And speaking of which, <laughs> how, how are you feeling about Part Six so far as a whole? Before we jump into the this week's double feature. It's hard to gauge. <laughs> uh, it on on the one hand, there are some really good things that have come out of Part Six. Really cool, interesting, experimental stuff. It's almost like a, I guess you could say where the Koike films have dabbled in ex- experimenting with darker stuff, and with uh, Part Three, maybe with going into the weirder territory, and then even some of the one-offs, they feel like they're return to form to Part Two. Uh, I'm not a fan of the pacing, not at all. <laughs> uh, that I feel like if things had been spread out a little bit more, in versus, uh, you know, you know, one off, one off, one off, little plot, one off, one off, one off. I'm like, I get that a lot of people will say that the the one off format is like, oh well, that's very Lupin. But yeah, but when there's not a plot involved, <laughs> if you look at part four, that's the best paced one by far. Uh, part five even has good pacing on that too, and that's with a much bigger scale plot. But they still pace out their their one offs, their little breathers, um, very well with that. Mm-hmm. So um, while still wrapping up their plots without it feeling empty, uh, this one, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. I, the one offs are interesting. <laughs> so. Um, so it's a mixed bag. I'm, I, I, I guess I could say I'm, I'm a more hopeful for the second half because I really don't know what we're getting ourselves into with that one, with what they've been teasing. But for this first half, it feels like a lot of unfulfilled promises uh, on things. But I guess we'll save that for the rest of this discussion. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And also, again, we'll save for the discussion, but agreed. Um, and... <laughs> On that note, Spoilers. this uh, this double feature of episodes, we will uh, do our typical roundtable thoughts. Um, uh, and to kick us off, um, Lauren, how did you feel about these two episodes in particular? First of all, I was so glad to be back to the Sherlock plot as if like we hadn't been distracted enough from it. Uh, I thought they were actually, I mean, for what we got, I thought that they were consistent enough and 
we actually did get to see more of Sherlock being Sherlock, uh, which again, I will circle back to uh, a particular point that will loop back to part to episode seven um, pertaining to him. Uh, but it will, uh, but otherwise I think it was kind of nice that you could go back and see in small spurts of these like little hints of what was to come at the end. It wasn't completely obvious, but sometimes the answers were staring you right in the face and it wouldn't hit you unless you were watching it again. Um, which, I mean, I went back and revisited clips uh, after watching them all through the first time. But, um, but yeah, it, it feels like, I mean, I was overall generally happy with them, but at the same time feeling like, man, we could have gone through so much more of this Sherlock plot instead of having all these one-offs interrupt it. And it just, it felt kind of like we, we got finally got to this stuff, but at what cost? <laughs> oh boy, I feel that. This is going to be a fun discussion. But before we get to that discussion, uh, <laughs> Emma, how did you feel about these two? Um, I'm really alongside Lauren's feeling on it. Um, I watched it like three times and like, I was satisfied with how it ended. I thought it wrapped up the story at least, but I, like like she mentioned, the pacing was met, left much to be desired. And I honestly <laughs> just thought it overall was just underwhelming. There's just so much that could have been done with using Sherlock. Um, as like a secondary character as opposed to like an like a put on opposition to Lupin. Um, and it just wasn't explored enough. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the one-off parts were great, but like Lauren said, you have these plot point, like episodes of plot in between it and like do something with it and don't just wrap it up in the last two episodes. It's kind of like part five doing that. And like the last art too, just being like, like <laughs> really mm-hmm. quick with it. Um, have fun editing that noise. <laughs> um, so, like, I wasn't upset by it. Like, I, I just kind of think I wrote um, just meh kind of overall. Like, wasn't dissatisfied, but wasn't necessarily, like, satisfied. I wasn't like, oh, that was awesome or anything like that. I was just kind of like, well, that's that's done. <laughs> And like Lauren said too, it was just like it was, there was a lot of buildup um, to like the Raven being much more of a sinister aspect, and it just kind of fell flat. <laughs> it literally ended on a wah wah. I can't tell you that <laughs> enough. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no. uh, so like, I like it, honestly. So <laughs> like again, yeah. I guess that's my overall feeling of it. it was not dissatisfied but not like a hundred percent like satisfied either yeah yeah so chris how are you feeling about these two i mean i think like these last two episodes as well as this whole raven plot in general just feels like a missed opportunity Mm -hmm. which is unfortunately kind of consistent because You know, this isn't the first time Lupin III has gone up against, you know, someone inspired by Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Nor is it the second or third. Because I, I feel like the two crossovers with Detective Conan 
were also rather disappointing. <laughs> but I mean, personally, though, I I like the inclusion of you know more uh, you know doyleist elements like the Baker Street Irregulars, and the fact that our villain turns out to be uh, Lestrade, which took me by surprise. <laughs> Thought it was kind of slow, but it wasn't bad, I guess. Could have been worse. Anyone yeah. else confused by Moriarty at the end? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? He was, also, <laughs> he was also in the crowd at the beginning of episode 11, too. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Like, uh, when, like when they are the police investigators are around like the body and there's the crowd there, he is in the crowd. Oh, yeah, okay. But I think it's just his involvement. It's just... Yeah. I think it's yeah. I think it was just the interaction confused me more than anything yeah. towards the end. Yeah. Oh boy. Like, are are you implying that? Uh, are you implying they'll know each other later? Or then they're like, oh no, he seems to know him. Oh wait, he, I've known you for a long time, but you were a child. <laughs> yeah, that, like, what are you not saying? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how how long do you have to know someone before they're considered an old acquaintance? Exactly. <laughs> Because I don't think Lupin's known uh, Moriarty that long. No. <laughs> As I mentioned to my girlfriend, I was, it was just kind of like, I was like, like, excuse me, like, how old was he? Four? He's an old acquaintance? <laughs> <laughs> like, Boy. When you just mm. think it's like, a, what was it like, a, what's what's her name? Like, the like a, what was it, like, Baby Doll or whatever from Batman, the one who was like forever a child? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that is so good. Good episode, by the way, but uh, (laughs) great episode, but thanks, Lauren, for bringing that one. (laughs) Drew, what did you think? Oh boy. Well, I think I mentioned it before on Twitter or or in some Discord server, but the way I I mean, it's a functioning conclusion that I, I guess, like, I didn't hate it, which. After episode seven was nice that I didn't hate the conclusion, but I do kind of hate that this is episode 12 and the last time we touched this plot was in episode seven and we're wrapping it up (laughs) episode 11, 12. Like it it was that many episodes ago. Like, uh, I mean, I'm just going to echo what all three of you had said so far in that, like the, the pacing has just been abysmal with this plot and um, mm-hmm. about the, it was the pacing, and what was the, the the big thing that did not sit well with me? Oh, that, the the fact that the whole thing just feels like a giant <laughs> missed opportunity. You, you, you've got Lupin versus Sherlock, and like, how many times mm-hmm. did they like actually right. do anything interesting apart from standing next to each other and, and describing the plot? Literally, <laughs> like they just d- dumped exposition at each other <laughs> for the last like two episodes. And that was it. And like all all the reveals made sense and were interesting. Like the Raven just being like this fragmented thing. It's not quite what they thought it was. And that the treasure is this unexploded ordinance. When do we find that out? Like literally in episode 12, Goemon (laughs) rocks up, rolls like a missile down the hall. And it's just kind of like, oh yeah, it's, it's ordinance. That was the treasure. We found it out. When? I don't know. (laughs) Just now. Wouldn't it have been really interesting to see us figure that out? Yes. (laughs) um like it is funny that like uh 
Chris, well, my uh, other Chris, <laughs> my friend Chris, uh, uh, he pointed out that there is a foreshadowing as far back as the first episode for what the treasure was going to be. And it's in the poster. It's the it's because if I remember that he said Jigen notices the bombs in the poster. Huh. So that it was staring us in the face all along. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> so in turn... The poster was, in fact, not pointless. It was a hint of the treasure. Oh, boy. Apparently, we need aficionados, Chris, just to tell us what's going on. Because <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us are like, <laughs> It's funny because, yeah, just he and I were talking about, again, we were talking about things that we realize after the fact and after digesting things. And then, again, me, after watching... The last after watching the two parter, going, oh my god, wait! And I don't know when will be a time I can bring that part up, but uh, but pertaining it does pertain to Sherlock specifically and episode seven. Hmm. So, I guess I might as well bring it up now. Is a good time. Hey, go ahead, go ahead. I guess. Nice segue. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's like here's my jarring approach to this. Uh, so, what I realized was at first. Yes, as anyone would know me in particular, I, I do not care for episode seven. <laughs> mm. I mean, mostly because I'm like, it seemed like it was good up until the end. I guess you could say that it's kind of like, uh, for me, that was the case with like La La Land. Good up until the end, and they yank you, yank away what could have been, and then they go, oh, there's your ending. That, what? That can't be it. <laughs> but I mean, it ruins the whole experience for you, right? So that's what happened with episode seven for me, especially with the reveal. It seemed to under, undermine Zenigata and who he is and his capabilities. But having looked at at, at episodes eleven and tw- it's a. 11 and 12 now, right? For the two-parter? Yeah. Yeah. So, after having considered this, and considering how Sherlock was presented, yes, we got to see him do more stuff. That's fine. However, when you think about what he he had to do in episode 7 versus what he did in episodes 11 and 12, you had to consider he was pretending to be Zenigata all along, realizing you have to, he'd have to be taking on his mannerisms and his capabilities. So in the end, Pops was always that badass. We all knew that. But it's mm-hmm. a matter of Sherlock showing that he is not developed enough. He has to take on the, the the capabilities. He has to copycat somebody else. And he himself is not actually that good. I rest my case. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. This well gets said. to be because I'm going to way off of that with a note that I did for... Hold on. <laughs> Let me look at my notes here. Um, okay, so is Emma the only one that actually wrote, actually took notes? Uh, yeah. Listen. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not saying it's a bad thing. I should have. They're not <laughs> actually, like, really notes. Like I said to Drew and Lauren, they're more of my peanut gallery comments. <laughs> That's still more than I did. Which is basically just my Twitter feed. Like, <laughs> so... Like, judge it, like, just off of what Lauren said, like, in episode 11, like, at the end, Holmes is going through, like, through his, like, deductions of, like, what happened with, like, the scenes and stuff. Like, oh, like, the same gun shot this bullet and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm irritated by that. 
because throughout like all of like the last like what century that Holmes has been around, mm-hmm. um, he's supposed to be like the most brilliant detective ever. And to me, that was like obvious shit. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Okay, so like, I was like, I've seen this on every single YouTube channel, uh, like true crime YouTube channel ever. <laughs> like, like, I'd like to also point out that it was Lily who remembered that Lestrade was the one that killed her dad, and it was it had nothing to do with Sherlock figuring it out. Just pointing that out. Yeah. So. That was like one of my like petty gripes. I like I like point out was like, okay, <laughs> where's your Tumblr sexy man now? Twitter. <laughs> but I mean, still a very nice animated character to look at. That is for sure. So, That's about it. No, this this, this might be the. I'm not gonna say this, I'm not gonna get that hyperbolic. If this is like <laughs> one of one of the lamest Sherlock Holmes I've ever seen <laughs> in any medium. Yeah, no. Like, like I love Robert Downey Jr.'s version of it, so mm-hmm. I just like keep thinking that. Like, oh, what's up the wall? <laughs> I just like, had that in my mind the whole time, and I'm like, man. <laughs> what could have been? Yeah, it's again. It, it goes back to the whole uh, wasted potential thing, missed opportunity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, when I heard Lupin the Third versus Sherlock Holmes, I thought, oh, great. It's going to be sort of like a, uh, you know, like a new version of when Arsene Lupin went against Sherlock Holmes and kicked his ass. You know, I was kind of looking forward to something like that again. And, and like, you know, like I like all the references, you know, to Doyle's novels and, you know, all the neat little callbacks and stuff like that. That's cute. But again, missed opportunity, though, especially with the way Holmes is characterized. We, they we especially got- hyped up the whole, the whole Lupin versus Holmes thing way too hard in the marketing, yeah. which yeah. put the wrong idea into everybody's heads considering how everything turned out. Like, if right. you were going to just shove in a bunch of these uh, these episodes that have nothing to do with the Sherlock thing, then why did you bump up the Sherlock thing so hard, if not just to have, make sure you have an audience looking at your stuff? I'm like, that, that's where I feel like it was just... You're using it as a lure, and you, in fact, didn't actually focus on the plot all that much. You were far more dri- focused on having all these guest d- writers and directors, and 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 having all of these cool aspects to it. But it's like, but you pushed too hard on the Holmes thing when that was it didn't end up being the strongest part of it, even though it should have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially being touted as like a versus thing. Exactly. It's like they they just felt more like allies. Yeah. In the era of 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 you know uh, crossovers and you know you got your Civil War, you got your of uh, End Games, you got your you got your uh, No Way Home, you've got all this kind of stuff going on, and so when you're touting this kind of thing, going, oh yeah, we got a face off, and this is like a literally like one for the literature book. So it's like it's this is cool. We finally have this, and it's like. Dang it! <laughs> you dropped the ball. <laughs> you had it. It was gift wrapped. You had it. Literally fumbled the bag. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in case you were wondering how how I now feel about episode seven, I still don't like it. But I do feel better about the ending because then I realize <laughs> he really wasn't anything to begin with. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. Yeah, to copy somebody better. (laughs) I'm so glad you feel better. (laughs) 
Because uh, as everybody knows, I was not. They were, people were warning me of episode seven before it, before I watched it, and I was concerned. Yeah, you were pretty hot about that. I was like, oh boy. I'm like, no. Oh, the 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 live watch I did with my friends. Nobody was prepared <laughs> for my reaction. <laughs> Oh, that that artwork you drew afterwards was one of the funniest things. <laughs> that was incredible. I'm glad you think so. That was my way of venting my frustration. <laughs> Perfect. In the in the the least toxic way possible. Right, <laughs> that's what I'm for. <laughs> but, uh, uh, speaking as a Nagata, I'm glad he actually he got to at least look really cool in this episode. That moment when he shows up in the black drawing room and just kind of sits down arms folded, hat kind of yeah. like rim over his eyes. He didn't get to do yeah. a lot, but he did get to look fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, I also like, like to point out the really nice moment that we, it's sh- it's short but sweet is the moment that Zenigata's literally like, Yada, you don't want to get dragged into this, especially when you're so young, like literally just dr- just go to the airport, like, you know, like just drop me off at the airport or whatever. Like, you know, just keep going. And it's like, no, I'm sticking with you. I'm like, this right here. Look at this good boy. And then they just like, <laughs> they don't do anything. <laughs> but they give him a nice moment. <laughs> well, that was cute. You know, I love it. And God is like, it's your funeral. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, just it's your funeral. And meanwhile, I'm like seeing theories going around about Yadako. I'm like, no, actually don't. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. It is worried he's gonna. I know Tabby was worried that he was going to be killed off or written off and and I'm like, man, he hasn't been around long enough. I really like for a character that finally gets to overlap into from part five to part six and gets to stick around and all that stuff as a newer character. I really hope. Yeah. Like including a uh, prison of the past that they keep him around because I do love Yada and I want him to have more moments where mm-hmm. he can shine. <laughs> and that he's just like a permanent designated driver. <laughs> 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 yep, yep. Because Lord knows that Zenigato runs the runs the bill up for the ICPO <laughs> damages. Uh. Running stoplights. <laughs> well, only one of them. Only one of them. We can only afford to have one as a bull in a china shop. So, speaking <laughs> of Zenigata, I wrote a note from episode eleven. Uh, Zenigata with the polite fuck you. <laughs> like he stands up from the couch and he's like peace out basically he's like, <laughs> he's like I'm out of here <laughs> I noticed that I was like mm, very polite but also <laughs> I know what that message is Zenigata <laughs> uh, was like that always sending me like I'm tired of this dude <laughs> I've had enough of this dude <laughs> enough of this dude <laughs> Literally, oh god! Literally, it's like everyone uh, that was hopeful for Sherlock in this season, and then they, then they get to the end, going like, "I've had enough of this." Dude. That's like literally everyone's. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, like honestly, that's probably why he just sits there in the black drying room because I've had enough of this. Dude. I mean, I could contribute, but I won't. But I won't. I like also how he is the only one to emerge from a burning building, like at first, yeah. mm-hmm. without like nary a scratch. He is freaking robust. 
it's like nothing can stop him (laughs) has anybody else come out i don't know (laughs) it's like one of these one of them has main character syndrome (laughs) uh, speaking of that whole uh you know explosion aftermath i did like the bit with uh holmes and lily where lily asked him if you know like do you think lupin died in that and holmes is describing how you know he's too stubborn to die like that and lupin just walks by in disguise he, he, and actually, it is pretty funny that Sherlock even go even calls him out, going like he's probably waltzing through this crowd right now in disguise, right. going like knowing fully well he just walked by. Adjust <laughs> just the mustache like, too. That was funny. That was cute. That little frustrated um, adjusting the mustache, like excuse you. <laughs> More stuff like that, please. Yeah. It, 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 it was nice in this episode when it, when it remembered to be, you know, a loop on the third episode a few times and not just people mm-hmm. dropping exposition at each other. Like the uh, the gang escaping from the hideout was pretty fun with, you know, with with, with mm-hmm. going on, like cutting up all the cars and Zinigata just <laughs> quietly driving under it as all these cars are just slowly descending. <laughs> is, that, is that when they escape the hideout? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I there's, also wrote some notes. Shout out to Jigen for packing the underwear that was on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't get oh, past man. me. <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, call me. <laughs> yeah, I, like, uh, I really like that car chase, though. I especially like the bit when, uh, was it Jigen driving or Lupin? Who, whichever one of them is. Lupin driving. I think, I think so, yeah. Jigen had his... And he did shoot. That's right, yeah. I mean, like, the fact that they were driving on two wheels felt like a callback to Mystery of Mamo. It mm. did, yeah. I was like, this yeah. feels very uh, old school Lupin. I like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's oh, like, yeah. thank, you for, thank you for referencing something that's not Cagliostro for once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, points at part five. Oh, <laughs> oh they started on that. Oh, God. Then again, we also got a new version of Fire Treasure at the very end, so... Oh, well. I'll take one. Uh, yeah. no, that was pretty nice. Can we talk uh, yeah, also about missed opportunities? Can we talk a little bit about Albert? <laughs> yeah! Did a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> I was literally saying that to Chris just before we watched the episode, too. Was I was like, geez... You ever wonder what happened to freaking Albert? I mean, he's so interesting, and they built him up in part five and everything, and like they're gonna have him like taking over Paris and everything. So, like, what's happening there? And then it's like when they finally bring him back in the season finale, like, oh, there he is. There he Still is. don't do anything with him, but he's literally like, hey, like, can we team up? No. Oh, rats. Aww. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I'm like, it's almost like the you next time gadget like it literally just like okay we'll see when the second half maybe i don't know it just feels like he's been he's been demoted to to like you know villain of the week that or the 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 villain of the show that is just like you know curses i'll get you next time uh versus actually being somebody to take seriously and i don't know i feel like that totally undermines who he was and especially in part five when he was so interesting Yep. And I wanted to know about him, especially with his history with Lupin and their yep. connected history, especially with 
with with something something Lupin being an enti- uh, the the third being a, uh, an inherited title something something. So come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I still feel like that line was a uh, reference to the original manga because it was you know left ambiguous. I mean, well, really, Monkey Punch didn't seem to be able to make up his mind whether or not Lupin III was the actual descendant of Arsene Lupin, or if it was just a, uh, you know, a moniker that he adopted for the no- for the notoriety. Mm-hmm. You know, the Maestro went right. back and forth on that a lot, which is why I also really like that bit at the end of Part 5. It's, as many problems as I have with that finale, you know, Lupin unmasking himself before Fujiko and letting her see his real face, which I felt was also a callback to the manga, which I really liked. Yeah, that was actually like one of my favorite parts of the yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. But I love, uh, like, but I think also the the universally agreed upon thing is that we don't talk about Enzo. No, <laughs> we do not speak of Enzo in this house yeah. ever. Who? Who? From, Assass- from Assassin's Creed. Who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like what? I don't. I don't think, I, fewer characters make me more angry than that. Oh. So I'm just. <laughs> Yeah. Rue and I used to talk about how, like, in the distance, how it should have been written is that you just hear footsteps just, like, running, and it's Zenigata and just, like, decking that Yes. <laughs> Please. I, every time, I'm like, every time I get to the ending of Part 5, I go, no, 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 no. And I'm, like, just picking up Enzo, putting him away. No, no, no. Throws him <laughs> in the dumpster. Like, no, no, no. No. It, put, it rearranges, puts Zenigata there. No, no, no. It shoves Zenigata and Ami out the door. Just like, no, no. no. Just, just, just you go. Just go. <laughs> Look, at Look at me. I'm the father now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, you know, uh, yeah, just get a whole bunch of, you know, drawings of Zenigata adopting Ami and like putting them up there on the screen real fast. <laughs> you know, you know placing the actual engine. Zenigata's oh, got yeah. a lot of adopted kids now. <laughs> He's gonna be getting one more God. in the next half, which I'm very much looking forward to. The more, yeah, the, the, the Zenigata family grows. Please, please, and, and I'll like. I, I'm here. I am hoping again that it's like I. I said it. I think on Twitter too, but is um. I really hope it's kind of like a return to form for like from the Zenigata Kebu series, the live action one where uh, he yeah. had two partners with the, with Metro oh, yeah. PD and they were really good. I like, and he alternated with them, which was really cute because then he could have moments with them both. And especially, especially in the, in the one with the, 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 the ones playing the game where they capture people in the warehouse and they're and like torture and kill them for fun. Uh, when they have that moment with the partner and he goes in to save her, like, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, you come and get your, like, you come to get your subordinate. That's not my subordinate. That's my partner. I'm like, dang, right. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> uh, it's just nice. such a good show. And uh, I really hope they bring that kind of dynamic back with this new yeah. girl coming in, yeah. especially because this will be the first female ICPO officer. I think that they've had in a while, at least since part mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and somebody nope. who is younger versus actually being like, you know, like a chief or mm-hmm. whatnot. So um so I'm excited. I hope I hope and I also hope she's not just some shoehorned in love interest for Yada. Please come on. We, we, yeah. we can have more developed women. If this is all about women and having them be developed characters, let her be more than that, please. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> nice, <wouldn't it>? Agreed. <laughs> Drew, did you have a comment about Albert? Sorry. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. The only thing I was going to say was just pour one out for Albert in part six, who just shows up <laughs> twice, gets shot at both times, 
And then when he shows up again almost at the end, himself. he almost offs himself because he's a French politician who gets cornered. So like, it's this for the guillotine for me. <laughs> but, 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 but then he shows up in the last episode and politely asks Lupin if he can be part of the plot and is then has another gun pointed at him. So like, he just can't catch a break in this series and I feel bad for him. <laughs> It's like they, it's like they forgot. It's like, it's like, who cares if this stirs up some freaking trauma from the beginning of the season, right? <laughs> Just aim a gun at him; it'll be fine. He's like Luke Wilson's character in Anchorman with the arm getting ripped off. Oh God, you're right. <laughs> Come on, man. I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> R.I.P. Albert. I hope he comes back in the second half. I'm not, I'm not I really sure if he will, he does. but I hope he does. Yeah, no, I really hope he does too, because he's one of the more interesting, like, original characters that have been made, like, recently. Yeah. Especially when it's like, hey, what happened to his boyfriend? Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. R.I.P. Tiki. <laughs> I like his comment about, like, trying to, like, keep Britain's stains under wraps and stuff. Mm -hmm. I I wrote, Albert, there are centuries worth of stains on Britain's rep. (laughs) (laughs) And they're kind of out in the open, too. I don't know how much you can really use them. (laughs) What is this one, to be honest? (laughs) And also, a shout-out to Lestrade for pulling a Javert. Minus the cartoon snapping of the neck sound. (laughs) I think I broke Emma and I'm sorry. (laughs) It's getting late. So now now we're getting into like hard laughter from me. No, Uh, no, I appreciate it. I'm like, hey, my joke landed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I knew that exactly what you were referring to. Um, what do you, okay, if anybody who's listening, can you take that ending clip and just and just edit in a snapping sound at the moment that he jumps into the water? Can you please do that for me? Maybe edit in maybe edit in uh, uh, Javert's final song. Do that too. Maybe I don't know. Speaking of that, say, that you just mentioned of having another gun pointed at Albert that same scene mm-hmm. is you know that and this was commented on on twitter that lupon and fujiko definitely did it after that <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and insult to injury and also not only that just that concept but also lupon's goofy walk too he has like oh, yeah. his arm out and everything i'm like See, I was uh, i was gonna mention that earlier it's like i thought the whole bit with lupon and fujiko walking off was really cute in like a goofy sort of way Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is it really it's adorable, but it's also like you know what happened after that. Yeah, but it's, like, it's the moment that they both turned each other on. <laughs> yeah, it's like ooh, nice. You just pointed a gun at nice, and we're gonna rub like us in his face. Great, because we don't know where her his boyfriend is. Recipe's ticky. <laughs> <laughs> one out for ticky. Another oh, one out. 
That makes Another it even one. worse because, like, he was shot at twice, had a gun pointed at him, and then became a third wheel. And that's like the last thing that happened to him <laughs> in part six. Right. <laughs> Did my boy dirty. <laughs> oh. Again, we want better for you, Albert. We really do. Yes. I'm sorry the writers hate you so much. We're rooting for you. <laughs> like, you're an ass, but we're rooting for you. <laughs> well, see, I was going to say that, uh, you know, when you guys were talking about if, you know, when to see Albert come back. With the way his appearances have been lately, I think I'd be okay with him not coming back if it's just going to be more of this. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. It just makes me sad that he goes out on a whimper. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, back in part five, I thought that, you know, story arc where he was introduced was great. One of the best ones. Right. But I don't think he should have appeared after that. Yeah. Especially when they left it off, like he was going to be a bigger thing in the future. Right. Exactly. So right. where mm-hmm. was that? <laughs> it's like they didn't deliver on that. I was hoping for that. And I had my own and I'm like, I committed the sin of having theories before the show even <laughs> came out going like, how is Albert involved in any of this? And it's like, wah. I, really, <laughs> I think we all did that with Albert, though, to be honest. Yeah. Like I was even like, I'd be down with a whole special. Yeah, um, me too. Or something like that. Um or even like another arc in a series. Um, so I think we all had those theories and hopes for Albert. And I hope if they do bring him back, that it's strong. But like Chris said, like if they just keep bringing him back like this, it's like mm-hmm. I'd almost rather him not. It's yeah, not it's like just, Rebecca yeah. where he can just show up with a pizza and it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, like the thing with that, again, like I said, I really like the character in that first arc, or in the second arc of part five, and I feel like the mistake was having him show up after that. You know, I think he would have been just, yeah, I think we've been, you know, perfectly used as a, you know, as an antagonist for a single story arc. Mm-hmm. And by bringing him back after that, without having any plans for the guy, we end up with what we got with part, you know, with his uh, inclusion in part six. He's mm-hmm. just there. I mean, to to be fair, though, uh, each of the arcs after that second arc were a mistake in part five. So, True. yeah, it's just, it's just kind of par for the course of that. <laughs> running theme. How many times, Chris? How, how many times, Chris? Now, did, did, have, have we filled our uh, our checklist for dissing on part five? <laughs> our quota. Well, let's see how many how, how many episodes in the part six are we now? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're like still giving part six like a chance because it's only halfway through it, really. Yep. Mm-hmm. But even still, for this part, we're like, all of us are like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> so one of us are great. Yeah, with the second half being a different theme and stuff like that, the different focus, I have small hope in that it'll be at least because we're going to something completely different. Right. Is that mm-hmm. we at least have something new to look forward to and we don't know where to go with it. So we have no expectation. But at the same time, we're going up with like knives and guns facing up and just like we're aimed right at it going. Uh, you're not going to you're not going to betray us like you did in the first half. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're just we, you're just taking precautions. That, that image of the guy with the gun with like tears down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. There are some things that I have like though, like I think that Fujiko has been written great. 
mm-hmm. this entire time. Oh, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. uh, including with 11 and 12 too. I think that she's mm-hmm. just been phenomenally written. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thank you. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I really like the, the uh, animation in this episode too. I thought it was yeah. really yes. good for the most part. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when uh, Holmes gives Lupin an apocalyptic beatdown. <laughs> yeah. That, yes. Oh, my God. I, I was just um, thinking about that. I was like, that was like Helsing level <laughs> violence. I was like, holy shit. Like, I was yeah, shocked well, by that. It was just like, huh, you know, I didn't expect seeing my favorite character get the shit beat out of him and be so entertaining to watch. Yeah, it, it was really entertaining. And it was brutal. I was like, holy shit. I think that might have actually been one of my favorite parts. So yeah. thank you for bringing that. It's, <laughs> it's like it, it's like up there with that ass kicking he got in Jigan's uh, gravestone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, was, I was about to mention that because like this weekend I rewatched all three Kawike movies leading up to me rewatching this. So like this whole weekend's just been Lupin getting the shit kicked out of him because in Jigan's <laughs> gravestone he has that beat down. In uh, Goemon's blood spray, he gets a um, oh, he gets that like yeah. giant splinter through his arm, and then in oh, Fujiko's yeah. lie, he gets thrown off the top of a jeep. <laughs> and then like beat the shit with a whip. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> also oh, in Jigen's gravestone, he gets hit like his face. Doesn't he get hit like in the head with a motorcycle tire, kind of like Mamo? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, he does. No, that uh, that's in, yeah, in blood spray. Yep. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yep. When 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 Hawk comes through the glass and he like turns and looks and like the the motorcycle yeah. grazes the top of his head. That's, that's right. They hit they, they hit the goon the goon guy in uh, Jigen's gravestone. Yeah, like when Fujiko they're wrecks that dude. Of, uh, yeah, Fujiko. If only we could always be lucky. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like the animation is really good, and yeah, that whole like yeah Sherlock beating the shit out of him. I was like. That was nuts. I was yeah, that was actually really shocking for me oh, because yeah. I was not prepared to see that level of beatdown uh, from a like non koike anime. <laughs> it's 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 Lupin versus Holmes by way of Street Fighter, pretty much like it was because <laughs> like, like Sherlock legit pulls a combo on him. This was the verses they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. They just had to build up to episode 12 for it or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) WWE Smackdown. That would have been a better arc. Like, I I would have taken just like a five episode arc of this, them encountering each other and then just beating the shit out of each other (laughs) at the end of each episode. That would have been great. It's it's like Peter and the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I would have taken it. (laughs) A whole episode just dedicated. It would have been more interesting than this. <laughs> oh, good. oh my god! <laughs> now I need an edit of of Lupin and and Sherlock as Peter and the Chicken. Oh my god! I was already talking about oh, I need to see that. Uh, Lupin WWE SmackDown the other night uh, because uh, Sherlock pulling the Zenigata's move. Which I was like, I call bullshit. And then everyone's like, it's like, I think my friend Lizzie was just like, let it go. I'm like, no, I'm not letting it go. I don't believe it. <laughs> no, that was stupid. I hated that. I didn't imagine. <laughs> I'm like, there is no way he did that. I'm like, no. No. I mean, 
to be fair, in the original novels, you know, Watson does mention that Holmes probably could have become a uh, champion prize fighter if he had set That's aside true. that. If he had set but aside they that. But he did on that in the 2009 yeah. movie, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's I, a shame I, I that guess... this Sherlock just isn't like the this isn't like the Robert Downey Jr. one, is it? <laughs> no. That's where I feel like they could have fleshed it out more. It's interesting how Holmes is a more entertaining character when he's a uh, jackass and an addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I think I said this in the first episode of Tea Time that um, I feel like Holmes in this series is based more on on how he was presented in Doyle's later works. You know, where right, he, mm-hmm. you know, where he had kicked his habits and, you know, became friendlier and all that. But still not pref- not my preferred depiction of Holmes, but... but I, I guess that's, like, one thing that just hasn't sat well with me. We talked about it on our review of Episode 7 when we had a, when we had Shannon Strucci on the show. The fact that, like, this Holmes is presented as, like, just the coolest dude in the whole world. Like, he can beat up the entire Lupine gang. And Fujiko thinks, like, Fujiko's swooning over him. Jigen's mad at him. And, you know, like, he, 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 he's throwing Zinigata on the ground. Like, okay. All right. I'm not watching Sherlock Holmes the Third. God damn it. That's yeah. not what I'm here <laughs> for. Like, 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 keep your OC Sherlock to yourself. And give me the Lupine gang. <laughs> this is why I'm really excited for the second half of this. Because just... I'm th- th- there's a lot of dialogue at the end of this episode when when Sherlock tells Lupine like you know I hope to see you again and Lupine says like no I never want to see you again for the rest of my life and I'm like ah, yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly I just like, like that. that was so good I really like that too it's like no nope. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, leaving God. him behind in the dust just like we all should <laughs> indeed leaving him and little more already him. behind. <laughs> it's like, huh, I wonder how that's going to turn out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> just leave, just planting the seed for chaos. Just going, eh, and we're leaving now. <laughs> Bye. Lupin's literally Loki. Mm, yes, very sad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interesting point, though, because you know, it's nice to be reminded that Lupin and the gang are not you know, heroes in the conventional sense. Right. You know, they, they're not looking mm-hmm. out for the, you know, for the common good. So, you know, the fact that Moriarty's been introduced into this whole thing, it's like, well, that's none of our business later. Yeah, yep. exactly. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. We could explore this, but we're not going to. <laughs> that's Sorry, we got, we got, we got part, part two B plot going on over here, B plots. So uh. it's like, we got to focus on those. <laughs> Good luck, Sherlock. We got we got ladies to attend to. In like, it's the next girls' time. night. <laughs> okay, so you, you know, I, I was wondering, are we going to change the name of this uh, sub series to Girls' Night? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, why either. not? Girls' night, La- ladies' night, cool yeah. ladies' night. Uh- <laughs> you know what? We're probably gonna, we probably will because, like, I think we're dropping London entirely because, like, there's that next episode yeah. preview when it shows the title card. There's usually like the little like it's the it's the final shot of the uh, the part six intro, but like it's just a red just a plain red background with like none of the London like iconography in the back. Right. So yeah, I think tea time. We're going to end up dropping tea time after this is done. It's gonna be ladies' night. So 
Excellent. <laughs> and also, hey, how about all that time they used England to their advantage in the in the plot and in their stories? Look at all that England. All of, all of that England. Oh, all that oh, England. So, oh boy. so much obvious England. Uh. <laughs> it feels like it should. It's like you almost feel like should any of this had anything to do with England in the first because it doesn't feel like it. Feels like the, the the fact that England was involved at all was a shoehorned in thing, except for the Heming like like okay have your Hemingway episode and fine, but it's like but everything else it's like when you like Sherlock's about the only time it seems like England is the primary aspect of it, mm-hmm. so it's like because then they even have one that's like we're going to where it's like we're gonna we're leaving England now I'm like you. Just you barely spend any time there. You just <laughs> got there. <laughs> I mean, it, at least they did more with England in part six than they did France in part five. Yes. That is true. Like, oh, as God. much as we got of part five was, like, the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> apartment with the little cafe <laughs> below him. That's about it. There you go. That's your France. Uh, that's what I'm like. This is what I'm like. Part four at least committed to freaking Italy. <laughs> yes, it did. I, I feel also sad. because Italy would have been mad if they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this was the love note for them. <laughs> yeah, no, the Italians mad. No, mm-mm. yeah, yeah, I don't want that. I mean, no, half no, the no. time you can't even tell when they're mad because they talk with their hands already. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I'm sad with um, the end of milk tea. Yeah, um, yeah. all right for you. Yeah, I really like that. milk tea. Um, because <laughs> I, I really like that ending theme. I'd like to go on. But you, you, know, you know what does kind of excite me about that is like, this is the first time, uh, barring the uh, the Italian, the, the, the Italian slash international version of part four, this is the first, team, the first time that a Japanese Lupin the Third series has had more than one ending since uh, part two, right? Which, Drew, you love. Yeah. The Italian soundtrack, don't you? Oh, boy, here we go. Oh, no. I'll take it. And here entering the chat is two opposite sides of the spectrum here. (laughs) With with, with respect, Nobody's Like Lupin is is an absolute banger. Both the instrumental and especially the one with the lyrics, because that's like such cheesy fun. The rest of it. (laughs) It's not my cup of tea time. Hey! (laughs) But... It is a recent discovery. Apart from the opening song, it's better than the actual score to the Fuma Conspiracy. I like the opening song of Fuma Conspiracy. The rest of the, the rest of the Fuma Conspiracy score, that might be my least favorite Lupin soundtrack. Not to dog on the composer, because I'm sure they worked really hard, but it's not. It's not for me. Fuma, Fuma has a lot of problems going for it. So trust me, it's like you having issue with the com- composition. It, it, that's not like there are so many things wrong with it. And yet it's a shame because it looks so good. Right. <laughs> and it, and actually, like, I don't hate Fuma. Like, I, and it's, even with its problems, I do not hate it, especially when you have a fun scene, like when they have the chase scene through the bathhouses and stuff like oh, oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> And then I do like the I do like the the love interest they have for for Goemon. Like she's mm-hmm. really cute. I know she's like she doesn't do a whole lot, but I like that they at least establish that they have kind of a history, and that makes sense as to why they end up getting married and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like okay, like okay, all right, she's cute. I dig it. And she also wears Lupin's red jacket. 
but I will, nobody could ever forgive the English when it comes to like the English dub of Fumo. Oh, nobody God. likes Chigan. And I'm like, <laughs> Emma, you all know the ones, he is the dub. most unforgivable. <laughs> all right, come on. So my question so I bring up that uh, that's one of the things I always bring up as well as the Italian uh part four soundtrack. I had my name in the Discord server as Guayman Tuba. <laughs> 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 oh boy. Just to be that an <laughs> that, that dub is that dub is something special. Man. Oh god. It's certainly something. Yeah. <laughs> and like like i i don't mind the the the, uh, the the different japanese actors it's actually like in like a a bit of an oddity to have to, uh, toshio furukawa play lupine because I, I love him in erosayatsura <laughs> and then and then uh pat labor and stuff it's weird to hear him but like i don't hate it whereas i english dub what english dub there's no english dub of we conspiracy come on somebody's gonna quote one, one of rupon's lines come on i think you oh, Rupin, oh god Come on. Oh. He says it on the car ride. Oh, you mean, oh, God, you mean, going on, you stud. There it is. Oh, oh boy. It's the best. It's not an out of character line. No, it's not. It's delivered so horribly. Yeah, it's just the way it's delivered. Oh, did you get on? Uh, did you meow on the? Camera? I just heard the meow. I was like, Meow. We, we got a cameo. <laughs> the big one cat you know, wants the, to speak. This has become my favorite running thing in an episode of Part Six that we're just okay with. This has happened in every tea time. We start to tea drop and talk about Lupin things we do like or dislike. <laughs> <laughs> just something that made us feel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, need, I need to feel something <laughs> no, like, like, like the, the only times I had that happen in part six so far had been the uh, the most recent uh, the, oh, the one off the uh, oh, what was it called the the episode with the pirate's treasure and the uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the great the great grandmother and the daughter that was great um, mm-hmm. I love the, the probably what it was it called it was the black jewel something right yeah black jewel that was it um, uh, yeah, that one. I like that, that one. Yeah, that was, it was, that that was one. one of my favorites. Same, same. Yeah, and then eleven and twelve had the unfortunate thing of following episode ten. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm like, how can you follow that? Because that is one of the best episodes that's been written in a long time. Yes. That is my favorite episode of part six. Like both times Mem- uh, Mamoru Oshii showed up. He's like, how about I like blow this entire series out of the water? Sorry. <laughs> bye. Yes. And then just leave. By the way, we're going to bring literal Satan in Like, okay. Satan and the most yeah. scary ass representation of uh, the Archangel Michael, which that smile at the end <laughs> still haunts me. Yeah. Which I'm like, what is with stuff that I've been watching lately and <laughs> having villains of the Archangel Michael? I'm like, it's, like, it's like, so in this week, Lupin Third Part Six, God contracts Fujiko. <laughs> That's a problem. After that, the Sherlock plot seems meaningless. <laughs> oh, yeah, this. Forgot yeah. about that. Cool. 
Pokemon got possessed, but okay, I guess. <laughs> guess the point. So, like, maybe that was another reason that, like, I was just underwhelmed by it. Because it followed those two one-offs with, like, the Black Jewel and then Darwin's uh, bird. I was like... Talk about a one-two punch. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, it, like it, it was also weird coming back to, to the Sherlock plot because there was a lot of... Again, it was really egregious in episode seven. It was in this one, but like not, I, I could deal with it. It was just, again, so much exposition of two characters talking about a plot that's supposed to be really cool, but they're just talking about it. And like the, the last episode, uh, Mamoru Oshi like, had that with his dialogue. You know, the first half is entirely exposition, but at least in the exposition, it set a tone and had like little creepy moments in it and like just set a set like a really perfect atmosphere and like served a purpose. Whereas in here, it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, we got two episodes. Let's wrap the entire Raven arc by, uh, you know, talking about it with each other. I don't know. they like, that, that's been my biggest issue with the Sherlock, like Raven plot, because it's so badly paced that you've got episodes one and two. And then it's not until episode seven when we come back. And in that seventh episode, you got to do some ex- exposition to catch up to try to like cram all this stuff into it. And the same thing happened here. I'm the, <sighs> I, I can at least say I liked episode three as I think it was. Yeah. Episode three as well with the, the train episode, which, Oh yeah, that was great. Was, oh, that was, I, it's funny because the episodes that I seem to gravitate towards the most are the ones that I feel like end up feeling more like part two or, or just mm-hmm. earlier Absolutely. parts because I'm like, well, it feels like it's actually trying to be Lupin versus trying to be anything, but because yeah. that's what we're here for. So when it tries to do things that are like, it feels outside of the formula, sometimes it lands, and but a lot of times it doesn't. And mm-hmm. I get, it's like, that's what comes with experimentation and stuff like that. But for me, I feel like we're, especially when you have something on the, when it's a 50th anniversary series, right? celebrating this, you want to be able to come back to, the the form that like helps it like what people celebrate it for a lot of and 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 it ends up being like a lot of the comedy and 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 having those fun adventure wacky moments kind of stuff and uh, like I still laugh at the moment that Jigen and Goemon have when when they are pretending to be you know when they're pretending to be Brits and they put on accents and stuff and then you they pull off the double mask <laughs> thing it's just so funny as monkey punch all of it. And it was just like, it felt like, I love those kinds of episodes. And again, it's just because when everything else seems far too heavy or it doesn't feel developed enough or it feels like it goes into territory that it doesn't feel like Lupin, I stop and I, I kind of start losing interest because I'm like, why are we covering this? And then it's like, where's the plot? Wait, what are, the characters are gone from this. We're only focusing on this. Wait, what's happening? So it's like... <laughs> And then you get an episode like the like the the pirate episode. And you're like, oh my god, there they are! <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, like you're, and especially uh, when you watch it on a week to week basis versus like binging the episodes. Right. Which again, it's like where I think even Tabby brought it up, saying like maybe binging the series later on would affect the viewing. And I know that she went back to go uh, watch the, the Sherlock only yep exactly i did a full full binge uh but we were doing it at the same time so she said the sherlock plot was still wonky even doing Mm -hmm. that 
still pace poorly. But I said, mm-hmm. like, and I said repeatedly that definitely binging it from start to finish definitely was to me a more enjoyable experience. Yeah, because drawing out all of these episodes week to week, especially with the so and again, like when you have so many one offs that are not connected to each other, um, that feel totally different, each one that right. it, and different writers have different hands on it and stuff like that. So it's like, so then all of a sudden, you're kind of losing track of where you are as it drags on and on and on. And then oh, suddenly mm-hmm. Sherlock, wait, what? And now I have to catch up on everything from from the from the episodes like five episodes back and then mm-hmm. go okay now okay go on to one episode okay well okay bye sherlock i guess and then okay we're going through this and then by the time 11 and 12 come up and you're like god now i have to recap all the other stuff again because i forgot what happened <laughs> it's like yep. you know it's it, and, and, and so much so, so, the first episode too that was like right. three years yeah. ago it's so yeah. and so, yeah. For sure, binging versus waiting things out affects the experience so much. Because I think what happened is when so many people were all when the uh, audiences were split, and uh, like the critic and the you know the critics were split on on uh, depending on the audience too was just um uh you know the reception of each episode as it came along, especially when it was isolated episodes. Um, mm-hmm. That they got people go, were starting to like dwindle down as as it continued on because they're like, why isn't this isn't hitting me the way I was hoping it would? And man, this one didn't this one dropped the ball or this one and then it's like and then you have to keep waiting for the next week to come along going, okay, well how's this one gonna disappoint me? You get to a point <laughs> like you're like until it surprises you with something good and you're like then you kind of get hope. And then you go, it's like, oh, but if you binge it, you can at least go, okay, I'm quickly getting to the next thing. That's good. That's good. I'm getting, you know, it's like you can quickly brush past that. But with, with drawing it out week to week, it makes it so much more painful when, especially when there's so many issues with episodes as they go. And, um, and yeah, I mean, again, it's like, there's a lot of good things to the episodes, but when you draw them out week to week like that, it does affect the the viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the, first half honestly like like mm-hmm. the Sherlock Paw is definitely the weakest part of it but even still mm-hmm. like it wasn't like terrible to me but like watching it like you know like a straight shot I like definitely had a lot of fun with it and again I think I mentioned at the way beginning that I have to watch things multiple times in order to like be able to process it at all because I'm mm. stupid so so like watching it again and like noticing it uh like different things and just like recall like doing things like oh yeah i totally forgot that they mentioned the guillotine in that train episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. why didn't i talk about this more (laughs) (laughs) so um just like remembering things like that rather than like going week to week uh, because I, I did forget quite a bit of things, obviously, like with my own like personal life and stuff and job life, I like kind of just like <laughs> like mental brain fart. So being able to like sit down and just really be able to consume it, and it actually goes by really fast too, because like mm-hmm. streaming episodes, I think it's like twenty two minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, goes by really quickly. I think I watched all of it in like three hours. Yeah, yeah. I I would like to say a special shout out to uh, to the the bumpers between uh, 
you know, the first and second half of each episode yeah. being done by like the, what's the fan artist's name? But it's a fan artist. Right. I think makes, it's a, a Togeki Noko is who it is. Yes. Yeah. And they, and I love the, the, the fan animations that they do on, on put them on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, I am so yeah. glad that they got to do this. I'm like, literally they're doing what we all would want to do. Yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. like, I would, I would kill to do a bumper for, for Lupin, especially when I'm like, I can animate, I can do that. Let me, yeah, yeah, just let me do it. <laughs> Grabby hands, please. Especially because they were doing the, uh, you know, official manga for a while there. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, they are living the dream at this they point really to have and that it, involvement, awesome. which is really cool. Too. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's oh, yeah. a very defined style, right? Like you know, they're Lupin when you see them. So. <laughs> And, you know, I also really appreciate that they're not trying to imitate Monkey Punch at all, but, you know, there's still a lot of respect there for, you know, its work. Mm-hmm. But the style mm-hmm. is just, it's just very different, but, you know, the, the art's great. I don't know if you guys, you know, how much you guys have read, but it's it's really entertaining read. Mm-hmm. You know, the stories are really good. Very nice. I, 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 I suppose that, that about wraps up our thoughts on this, this finale to the... Uh, to to the the Lupin versus Holmes arc is just the big, eh, it's fine. Eh. <laughs> it yeah, it's not the worst. The, the finale's passable. I would yeah, say it's not the worst. I say the best right. thing it did is that it ended. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. We can get a You know, but on on that look. note, I really like the uh, name you gave this room. Huh? The name that Drew gave this room up top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tea time. He literally poured the tea. <laughs> tea time to finally get this arc over with. It, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's, it's tea time where you dump the tea overboard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> tea party time. Boston tea. Time. <laughs> Let's see. And, and before we wrap up today's show, we're go- we're going to pass it over to our our man in Switzerland, Guillaume, who I'm sure is extraordinarily happy because way back in the beginning of this uh, of our tea time series he called that Lestrade would be part of the raven so i imagine he's i imagine he's pretty <laughs> giddy right now and as a matter of fact i have a postcard from switzerland i bet it's from him wait wait a minute this postcards this postcards from natalie wait 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 natalie and guillaume oh wait, i gotta crack this open wait a second let's see what we got here Hello, Lupontic folks, and um, welcome to the beautiful countryside of Switzerland. Yep, I am finally on vacation, and I am here with um, <laughs> with Will, if you can't hear from his laughter. <laughs> yes, it's me. Natalie is visiting me in my quaint little town, and I hope she's having a good time. I am. Just jet lag and altitude sickness is no joke, but I am having a great time. Um, and it's also wonderful to finally meet you and to hang out with you. It is. Though I will admit I had to fight the urge um, because when I boarded my flight back on Christmas Day on Saturday, I watched both episodes before I boarded and I just looked to my roommate (laughs) who came with me, by the way. I looked at her and I was like, gonna fight the urge when I meet Guillaume to tell him he was right. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it, folks. I was right. He was. And a little, like, little anecdote here. But Guillaume is really good on, like, picking up plot points and what happens, whether it's in a TV show or a movie. 
And he, you know, I, I noticed that when we watched a movie together recently, but when he, you know, when you mentioned in your, um, in your episode reviews that Lestrade yeah. had something to do with all this, I kind of had to like, I was listening to it at work and I kind of had to backtrack like, huh. <laughs> and then I rewatched it and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And it didn't make even more sense until the Jigen episode. Indeed. And then I was like, oh my goodness, you know, getting the confirmation. Yeah, that's where Lestrade acted the most mm-hmm. suspicious to me because you... It was kind of ambiguous, you know, the men that he sent. It mm-hmm. could either uh, be the two cops that get that get bested by the two criminals or the two criminals themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that he brings up the raven by himself, mm-hmm. uh, even though Sherlock Holmes on the phone uh, did not mention it, it felt very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And But I, sus- I started suspecting him um back on i don't i think it was episode seven or Mm -hmm. something like that uh where um lupin and holmes disguised as zanigata are you know um trying to fend off with uh sebastian moran Mm -hmm. and they say that uh the raven's executioner must be someone close to holmes Mm -hmm. and i was like there are not a lot of options <laughs> uh, when it comes to Holmes' entourage in this in this version. I could not suspect uh, Miss Hudson of any foul play, obviously. And um, Buckingham, um, and it's actually you know relevant to this double episode, which we are considering as a big finale. Yes, to this storyline at least. Yeah. So Elliot Buckingham is a red herring, mm-hmm. uh, and he has red hair himself. <laughs> so that's a bit heavy-handed, but it was fun nonetheless. And the Raven's treasure is essentially a MacGuffin. Oh yeah, totally a Hitchcockian MacGuffin. Yeah. The the treasure in itself is not really important, but to me it symbolized uh, the vacuity of um, villainous ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, you know, the last episode is called Ghosts of Britain and in a way the raven, as it is explained to us, is more or less dead and uh, Lestrade and other um, uh, low-ranking members of the organization uh, didn't know that it was over and they are still purchasing, you know, they are still chasing uh, a dream in a way. Kind of reminds me almost of like, the Nazi, you know, the way totally, you're, yeah. the way you're <clears throat> talking about that, it reminds me a lot of the Nazi villains in Indiana Jones. You know, they're looking, you know, they're looking for this treasure that, to them, will restore, you know, um, will restore their organization to its glory days. But they have to remember, like, their organization doesn't fit in this. <laughs> you know, thinking about that right now, back, you know, in the troubles back home but it doesn't fit in this day and age it no doesn't, it doesn't you know it's you're you're trying to achieve the unachievable dream um and it and i you know i mentioned this with the boys a couple you know back on the first episode or was it the second episode that um 
you know, this whole thing about like a secret organization that secretly runs Great Britain. It's yeah. very, it reminds me of Helsing, but it's a trope that I just cannot stand. Because you don't? No, because it's overused. That's and, true. And it's like, we get it. You know, there's got to be someone clandestinely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very conspiracy theory like. Mm-hmm. And Lupin the Third has always been close to conspiracy theories, mostly mm-hmm. because, you know, it's a good incentive for a lot of. Uh, uh, interesting plots mm-hmm. but here it's subverted I think it's one of the first times that an evil organization in the Lupin franchise is actually dead on arrival yeah like it's been dead for a while and people are just trying to revive it Maybe people still think that they that it has you know it still has power it still has merit that there must be something that it still pulls but clearly it does not <laughs> there's yeah. just people trying to achieve the unachievable heck even um when they're trying to figure out the conundrum over that movie poster yeah they were like oh it's just a regular movie poster it's nothing albert didn't steal anything worth of value and it's like really <laughs> yeah and the, the 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 black boardroom was only a trap mm-hmm. uh, the plot works in many uh, uh trials and tribulations showing that everything that we thought was of note was actually uh, not important. Mm -hmm. Uh, What mattered? And I know that, Natalie, you are among the people who were disappointed that we didn't really have the uh, Holmes versus Lupin the Third story that we were kind of promised by the marketing. And I'm always uh, personally very suspicious of marketing, uh, especially in the anime world, because usually they will lie to you in order to to sell it, which which is again uh, um, one strategy among others. But to me, the main core of uh, of that whole Holmes arc was an emotional one for Holmes and trying to, you know, we meet Holmes, he's disgruntled, raggedy, Mm -hmm. he does not take serious cases anymore. Um, And Lily is, you know, stuck and she is is unable to uh, bring uh, back those memories without having headaches. So she she is still, you know, unable to process grief. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the story, Lupin works as, what's the word? Uh, catalysis? Um, oh, a catalyst. A catalyst. He works as a catalyst uh, to solve other people's mm-hmm. problems. And in a way, it's not that far from the original Arsene Lupin. Because, the hollow needle. Indeed, the hollow needle. But not only that, um, after the hollow needle, uh, Maurice Leblanc will uh, take the character in another direction. Mm-hmm. And Arsène will play more as a detective, actually. He will solve problems. And when people, for example, steal or do crime on, you know, using his name, he will defend his reputation. Mm -hmm. He will save the girl. He will, you know, he will save the inheritance or or anything like that. And I guess that we are at a point in the the Lupin franchise that maybe he is... um, slowly taking up that role even Mm -hmm. though he does it you know a bit reluctantly because he still doesn't like Holmes at all no um I like I do like that ending of like hell no I'm never coming back because I don't like you (laughs) I don't want to see your face ever again Holmes even though you're quite handsome you know uh, clear shaven and when he pulls back his hair Mm -hmm. you know like in all serious business mode, like you did mention, it reminded you of um, Heiji um, from Detective from Conan. From Detective yes. Conan, yes. Um, um, but honestly, you know, you hit all those right points. Me, and it wasn't like I wasn't viscerally upset mm-hmm. with this season. 
like a lot of people on social media were. I mean, it, it astounds me how when people are upset over one thing, and obviously when they put their thoughts on social media, it, it, it astounds me that it can affect me. Mm-hmm. You know, like this isn't part of the overarching story. Story, but you know, like my favorite episode with the Mamoru Oshi stuff has to be Killers in the Diner. Yeah, but it really disappoints me that. I let the opinions of somebody or a collective group get to me. I feel to the, the same. Po- yeah, to the point where when I watched the episode when I came home after work, I watched it in um, kind of like in, um, in with breaks in between, with many breaks in between, because the opinion really had a profound effect on me until I realized I actually enjoy it. I really need to stop listening to other people's opinions. Um, and you're right. Maybe it's okay for us to not look at the marketing but if you're a fan and you're really excited for it and you're and they give you it's like when you're at the movie theaters and you're anticipating the next MCU um, movie and you watch the trailers and you're like, oh, my goodness, that looks so good. And then you go to see the movie. And you're like, that didn't look like half of the stuff that was in the trailer. Yeah. Well, that was well, that's more me with um. that's gonna, probably going to be me with Uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, I wasn't too upset with like the filler episodes it was the overarching plot that did upset me and it was really because you know as a fan of Marie Blanc and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and I love the Herlock Sholmes you know versus Lupin books to the point where um I love the extra stuff we've gotten over the years with Lupin versus Sherlock um, the video game? Oh, the video game is probably one of my favorites. And, you know, the other supplemental material. Because this isn't the first time that anything related to Arsene Lupin has brought back Sherlock Holmes. They're both True. in the public domain. So you could always rewrite that story without, like, the LeBlanc estate or the Doyle estate being like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> um, so when I heard that it was coming for Lupin the Third, I was super excited because I was like okay, you know, it's it's coming back full circle to Marie Slayblanc. Let's see how this goes. And they're not really competing against one another, let alone, um, you know, the fight scene that we had. Yeah, that was super well and, animated, but yeah. it was all for show. It was all for show. It was really well done, and it was, but it was all for show. Even I was like, they cannot be beating each other up that badly no because that just looks that looks very much played out totally even though it was savage oh it was totally savage and like sherlock was just like pounding into him like (laughs) bam (laughs) with lupin coughing blood they went all out for what was just like a scooby-doo like uh setup to confound uh, Lestrade and bring back Lily's memories, which I thought was well done. Mm-hmm. I was actually relieved that Fujiko was not actually backstabbing Lupin because I think the one great thing about this first half of the uh, of part six is that we have a kind of a an appeased version of Fujiko and Lupin's relationship. They respect each other a lot more. Yeah, uh, they're less into that kind of. Um, uh, Batman, Catwoman-like dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work almost more as a couple, or at least as uh, bona fide partners. Mm-hmm. And that brings me back 
uh, as a segue to that great scene with your your boy Albert. Albert. <laughs> <laughs> Where Fujiko protects her man. Oh, I love that. I, I love that a lot. Just um, Albert and Lupin just chatting, and Lupin's like, "Look, I I don't like your attitude. I don't like you. <laughs> I don't want to partner with you." I'm just, you know, I'm just here. Bye. And Albert's ready to like pull his piece out. And here comes Fujiko like, ah, 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 that's my man. Don't even try it. And, you know, they walk together in the park. Kind of oh, adorably. That's so cute. No, that, that just confirms my suspicion since part five that they are canonically married. Um, no, I mean, like, again, you know, I, I know um, some fans in the franchise, whether you're into the more gay aspects of mm-hmm. Lupin, you know, shipping him with like Zenigata or with Jigen. But again, I believe they're in a polycule and that <laughs> Lupin and Fujiko are married. And it's just like Monkey Punch said, he modeled it after his own marriage, which I always joke and say. I didn't know that. No, really. Like, you know, when he talks about where the relationship dynamic between Fujiko and Lupin comes from, Monkey Punch has, has said that it's kind of, um, it's kind of, a play on his own marriage and i kind of joke and i'm like well damn sir you have a very convoluted marriage but if it works for you that you know you, you do you boo-boo. that's your thing <laughs> the, the only thing i remember of uh, monkey punch's um private life is that when he had his daughter his mm-hmm. first child mm-hmm. uh he uh, mellowed his style out a bit you know he looked after children a bit more that's why he tried to uh uh, write and draw a manga for children for, mm-hmm. for a very short period of mm-hmm. time. But yeah, I think the um, the Lupin gang is in a more uh, peaceful and, um, how could I say, healthy dynamic between mm-hmm. all of them, which might make them maybe a bit more boring for now. A little bit. I mean, even Goemon. Goemon wasn't used a lot in this um at least with Lupin versus Holmes. Yeah. And like his after his pride was a little wounded, yeah, he comes back. But he wasn't used that much. Um, again, and you know, Goemon always falls into this thing of like, you know, some writers can't write him very well. So True. they make him leave or they they exclude him out. And yeah, he suffered from that. But even Jigen, you know, Jigen wasn't really used in these last two episodes at all. The main focus was, of course, on... Um, on Lupin and Sherlock. Which so. is understandable. And we we had a discussion yesterday about uh, does the Lupin franchise uh, work better as uh, an episodic format or as, you know, um, uh, a longer narrative. And you had compelling arguments for the episodic format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is room because, again, the Lupin franchise and the characters are flexible enough so mm-hmm. you can play with them on all sorts of uh, tones, styles and so on. I think they are allowed to have longer narratives. A few Lupin the Third movies work very well. But it's true that it's harder in a long narrative to... Um, uh, give everyone from the polycule, as you call mm. them, um, uh, a chance to shine. But there were a few nice Zenigata scenes. Oh yeah, in, well, he was in this in, double episode. Yeah, in this double episode. Uh, sorry, I was thinking of the of the series as a whole. Yeah. But no, he had some really good. Like I loved his conversation with Yada. Oh yeah. You know where he's telling Yada. You know he know he's played this song and dance 
before in his career. And he's telling Yada, look, if you value your career, if you value your pride, go back to Japan. Just, you know, you know, I'll drop you off at the airport and I'll leave. And he's like, no, like, I'm dedicated to you. I'm loyal. I will go with you, Mr. Zenigata. And I'm just like, oh. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Especially since Zenigata has always been a very, very lonely character. Very. Uh, uh, you rarely yeah. see him working with other people. And when you do, um, when the, if it's in respect of a love interest, the love interest is unreciprocated, mm-hmm. like Maria in um, Tokyo Crisis. Um, if, oh, it, yeah. if it's like an actual partner... They end up double crossing him. Like, what's her name in Angel Tactics? Um, oh, there's, there's even one in um, uh, um, uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Oh my God! The, um, that fake uh, Columbo that the Columbo guy, lookalike who's actually, who was like the villain. He was like yeah. a nephew of Al Capone. And yeah, uh, don't get me started on. <laughs> all right, all right, we will not. Escape but from Alcatraz. The main gist of the thing is that Zenigara has always uh, been very much alone and. Here we have a young character mm-hmm. uh, who is willing to, you know, uh, risk his reputation because Zenigata is also an outcast. You mm-hmm. know, he he can be respected by other pol- pol- policemen, uh, by um, but he's usually, you know, kind of mocked or even uh, humiliated because of his Lupin obsession. Yeah, and um, I find it hilarious because you know um, I've told people this that. Um, Zenigata is actually well respected um, as a character in Japan amongst police officers. Oh, like Japanese policemen look up to him. They, you know, they see him as a perfect emulation of what an ideal police officer should be. So, like, he's well regarded in that sense. And you know, I, I joke as much as I hate law enforcement that, like, if I if I could trust any fictional law enforcement in, in and you know over our real cops it would totally be Zenigata yeah. um, because he does have this ideal sense of self um you know he's got he, yes he has pride to him but his pride is more along the lines of what he does and, That's true. and you notice that like he isn't he doesn't feel like he's above the law he doesn't intend to kill lupon and his gang he just wants to bring them to justice and yes he lives for the thrill of chasing lupon it is all in good fun, but it is all in the sense of justice and all in the path of righteousness. And then when he realizes that Lupin is actually doing some good, he'll team up with him. And True. it's like, you know, okay, I see. We'll team up, but after this is done, I'm going to try and catch you again. I'm going to get you. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, I like, because like in part five, when Yada was introduced, Yada didn't really have a lot of... Um, I don't want to say leeway or use. He was just there as like Zenigata. He was learning. Yeah, he was learning. He was just there as Zenigata's fanboy. (laughs) And they brought him back for Prison of the Past. That's true, which surprised me so much because it means Mm -hmm. there's a connection between, Mm -hmm. you know, what we could call the main series, even though, uh, you know, the the canon Lupin the Third is kind of wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. But, and then we have this TV special Mm -hmm. and there's a connection. And and I'm very glad that he's back again for uh, part six. Since Holmes uh, doesn't seem to appear in the second half, or probably not, you know, uh, as focused, I do hope that Zenigara and Yata will have more time to shine. Mm-hmm. Because the main thing with Holmes is that, you know, he's so uh, OP that mm-hmm. uh, he will best everyone. I mean, Zenigara says himself, he knows when he's being bested. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me, what did you think of the whole Lestrade? 
plea, you know, his uh, his conflict. Oh, his inner, you know, Lestrade's inner conflict over um, feeling guilty over killing Watson and, mm-hmm. you know, the direction he's taken in life. I don't know. I don't have any thoughts on about that, mainly because I'm still a little irritated with, like, how, you know, um, the writers decided to um, to use Lestrade's character. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've read Sherlock Holmes or seen any of the vast entities... Indeed. Um, ...over the years that we've received, um, you know, telling Holmes a story, Lestrade... Is kind of one of those characters that can that can be put on the back burner uh-huh. that is only ever really utilized as more of like um, the start of a narrative or just like on the side. I mean, my perfect iteration of Lestrade happens to be Sherlock Holmes in the twenty second century, where Lestrade is a female. You know, Lestrade's descendant is a female cop mm-hmm. in this um, you know alternate future universe who brings back Holmes to life because. You know, apparently Moriarty is afoot and you know, <laughs> always he's causing shenanigans. And, um, you know, I also did like him in the BBC Sherlock, but he was more like disgruntled. Kind of reminded me of, of a really like angry Jim Gordon. Yeah, the, um, the Gordon to Sherlock's Batman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I, I was surprised that they went that direction. It is very different to make Lestrade the villain. I think it's the first time. Yeah, I, I really do think it's the first time as well. And it just, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Um, so he's the red herring all along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just explained a reference to Guillaume yesterday from the re- the the remake films of 21 Jump Street, the second one, 22 Jump Street. So basically Lestrade is a tattoo. It's like, hey, hey, what is that? Oh, yeah, it's my old high school mascot, the plain view red herrings. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just realizing now that Lestrade is the plain view red herring. Because you also have to think how it started out with, like, you know, Holmes talking to Albert. Yeah. And, you know, we know up to this point, well, after that, we know up to after that point that... Holmes has never really worked on big cases, but this was different. Lestrade mm-hmm. asked him to, to work on this case. Absolutely. And, you know, Lestrade's like, okay, let's take this poster. You're coming with us. And then suddenly MI6 comes in and Lestrade's just like losing his shit. Like, oh, hell no. <laughs> that is supposed to be my case. Thinking about it, you know, he's probably thinking in the back of the head that Raven's treasure. And Indeed. then that's when the shenanigans start. And he's start. quite trigger happy in the first two episodes, mm-hmm. I thought, when they were chasing after Lupin. I personally like the twist. And in a way, it's kind of making him... We just talk about how Zenigata is kind of a, kind of an example, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, uh, where we could say the uh, uh, pure ideal of a police force. And Lestrade is its opposite, Mm -hmm. the corrupt side, Mm -hmm. uh, a very um, failing uh, version of uh, the police force, but sadly very human as well. And I have to admit I was, you know, uh, yeah, my my heart got a a bit of a bit of a pinch when Mm -hmm. he died because he was actually remorseful. Yeah. And he was a man who was trapped uh, by a system that was also controlling him. Yeah, 
Um, no, I did feel a little tearful when he does commit suicide and he tells, you know, Sherlock, tell Lily, I'm sorry. You even see it that he did not want to kill Watson. No, he didn't want to at all. It, but it just happened. Yeah. And he feels completely guilty about it. Um, so in a, so I, I, I guess I do like the last two seconds of giving the villain a little bit of remorse, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't think... I, I get tired of the remorseful villain trope no. a little bit. A little bit, not not a lot. I mean, at least in Lupin, I just feel a little disillusioned because, you know, they did it with Enzo. And it's like, no, Mark's, I've said this before, Mark Zuckerberg does not need a redemption arc. Oh, that, that is another can of worms in and of itself. I, am, I personally champion uh, part five. I'm among the minority in, in uh, our host, but I, I really like the debate. I think Enzo didn't really get an actual redemption, but mm-hmm. more like uh, an awakening. But it was indeed quite fast. But speaking of the ending, we have that exchange that kind of wraps up everything between Lupin and Holmes. Yeah, the the really sweet exchange where he's, you know, where Lupin tells him, hey, I was making a promise to Watson because Watson thought I was you. And Watson knew he wasn't left for this world, so he just wanted someone to watch his daughter. Yeah. Which is very understandable and very sweet on its own. But even for Sherlock to get that, you know, reassurance from Lupin, um, I don't want to say like it revives him or gives him, you know, new purpose in life. It kind of just, you know, um, it's it it's not settles, but it um, it assures him that what he's doing for Lily is a good thing, that he is taking, you know, he is fulfilling Watson, his exactly. good friend's last wish, which is taking care of his daughter and being there for her. So I did think that was very sweet. I thought that mm-hmm. was very cute. When I watched it, it was like, oh. Even though, again, Lupin doesn't want to see him ever again. No. <laughs> and either way, Sherlock would be busy with uh, a new uh, foe, <laughs> which is, um, a very young-looking, Moriarty-looking, like I don't know, the Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. You mean the pet, you mean like uh, Petit Prince? Le Petit Prince, oh, yes. God. <laughs> and I was like, is that a Detective Conan reference? Like, is it a shrunken, uh, evil Conan in a way? <laughs> well, I mean, he it did remind me of um, of. Detective Conan, in a sense, but also, you know, why is it in this one Moriarty is a child yeah. ready to take on Sherlock Holmes? Uh, <laughs> you know, as much as I will advocate Switzerland is a beautiful country, you should totally visit, especially if you got an amazing tour guide. Thank you. I don't know if um, Moriarty or this kid Moriarty and Sherlock should be going to um, <laughs> the Russian Bach the Falls. The Russian Bach Falls anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's sure that the fall would be even longer if you're a child. Oh, wow. That is super morbid. I know, I know. <laughs> legit, like, side note here, legit, we were thinking of going to the Reckenbach Re- Falls, but I'm just like, uh, how far away is it from here? Yeah, because, you know, Switzerland might be a small country, but it still takes time from mm-hmm. going to what place, from, you know, from one place to the other. Even with a reliable transit system, but we digress. <laughs> So that wraps up the uh, Holmes arc. Mm-hmm. It was quite a ride. It was I, a good ride, though. It, yeah. 
it has a few bumps here and there, but I think if we rewatch the whole thing, which we will probably do eventually, uh, it will flow a bit more naturally. But now, uh, starting January 8th, we will have the second half of part six uh, focused on a roster of women who are all connected to Lupin and more precisely, to Lupin's mother. What do you expect? What are your hopes, fears? What do you think of that second half? I don't have any expectations anymore. <laughs> Good, that's <laughs> lesson one. I, no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to follow Will's. Um, Will's, you know. Um, direction of not um falling prey to the advertisements i did see a lot of like the um the notes on the tms website on who these new characters are apparently yada kind of maybe don't know gets a girlfriend so it's like yeah and um you know there's this bomber lady named mercedes that looks really cool and then of course there's lupin's supposed mother Tomoe. Um, yeah, Tomoe. And I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> Again, I've mentioned this to um, to Drew, Jay, and Chris, but I really do think mm-hmm. someone on TMS's writing team has read my fan fiction. <laughs> so um, I kind of wish I was in Japan right now. And it's like, TMS, if you're looking for someone to write for Lupin, ding, 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 right here, right here, right here. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if uh, if we ever make I don't know a Patreon or a coffee page, oh, Lord. <laughs> please please uh, uh, finance our trip to Japan so uh, uh, the whole gang can go to TMS and say, well, we could write for you. <laughs> oh Lord, that's an even longer flight. I probably would not be able to sleep. <laughs> oh yeah, the jet lag would be terrible, oh. but maybe it would be worth it. Maybe. There's better food out there. No, indeed. <laughs> no, that's, maybe, probably depends. You know, it's all about personal tastes. Mm-hmm. But speaking about personal tastes, I think the second half is in good, uh, and I would say even better hands than in uh, uh, the first half, because the uh, showrunner, you know, the main writer for the uh, second half worked on Zombieland Saga, mm-hmm. which is a very fun and weird, but strangely relevant uh, anime about zombie idols. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knows how to handle uh, predominantly feminine cast mm-hmm. and all their hopes and dreams and conflicts. While the writer for the first half, who worked on Detective Conan, um, I miss his, I, I don't remember his name right now, but it will come back to me. Um, he is an okay writer in my book. I think he managed to provide a, a good mystery, but I really want to see something different for that second half. And again, very, very curious about that whole Lupin mother thing because she almost never was explored. You know, I mean, in the last chapter of the original uh, manga run, um, it ended in the you know, first time in 1969. We see her, you know, from the back and she, she just sobs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really wondering what uh, will come out of it. Yeah, I'm wondering what will come out of it too. Because, I mean, the only reason why I came up with the story that kind of starts my fan fiction arc was because of the mystery of who 
who would be would Lupin's parents be? Indeed. And I had a lot of fun uh, creating that because I, you know, I made Lupin's mother be a opera singer because it made a lot of sense to me that <laughs> for Lupin's acting skills, he learned from an actual actress or a melodramatic actress. And of course, I went with the manga trope of his dad being a scumbag. So oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so I think that wraps it up for us. Mm-hmm. Um. Natalie, where yep. can we find you? Currently in Switzerland. Oh, that's true. <laughs> right next to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, when you can't find me here in Switzerland, if I go back home or whatever. No, no, no. On the internet, <laughs> you can find me on Lay Twitter at C-A-P-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. On the Instas, mm-hmm. you know, on the Instagrams at Captain, C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. And uh, Guillaume, where can we find you? Well, currently right next to you again, but um, on the uh, on the internet, you can find me on Twitter at William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on Instagram uh, at Guillaume Barbey, G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E. B-A-B-E-Y mm-hmm. and you can see uh, my work because I'm also an artist an a illustrator. really good one <laughs> thank you um, you can find me on Shin Red Deer on ArtStation and Divadart that's S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R and I also have a coffee page where you can pay me for a commission under Shin Red Deer and don't worry, just because he, you know, he lives off francs and maybe most of you run on dollars, you could still pay him. Um, it, it, the fees are not that bad. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We all do that in euros now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the most difficult things of coming here. Just, you know, like the difference between francs and euros, because you can't accept euros just only in the bigger cities. <laughs> Indeed. So that's all for us. And as always, stay safe, Lupantic folks. Happy New Year and bye. Bye. Or is it au revoir here? (laughs) (laughs) Auf Wiedersehen. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Lauren, where can we find you on the uh, the, the social medias? Uh, Well, you can pretty much uh, just find me on Twitter. I'm there most of the time. (laughs) So um, I'm at the Abbey Roadie, which if you think of Abbey Road, add an IE at the end. (laughs) Um, uh, That's pretty much my my handle. Because guess what? Fun fact, I used to work with Beatles tribute bands. Uh, (laughs) So so that's my name there. Uh, And uh, I I have all my other links uh, pretty much at my profile there too for my my portfolio page and stuff like that. So, uh, but otherwise I'm active on there for the most part. I do have an Instagram, but I don't use it much. <laughs> nice. And uh, Emma, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Emma Wolf, E-M-M-A-W-L-F-E-227. Um, that is my personal Twitter. Um, and is a stream of hot mess uh, takes. Apparently, the other day I posted a take about how I don't trust people that make grilled cheese with mayonnaise, and then I went to sleep, and apparently that caused some discord. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I need to do this more often, where I just like type some random bullshit off the top of my head, put my phone down, and see what happens. <laughs>
Mayonnaise, a lot of people are angry at you, huh? <laughs> so, so I have my Twitter. I am on Instagram, uh, mwolf227. That's mostly my cosplay. Um, Facebook, Discord. I was on Tumblr, but haven't been since the great exodus like three years ago. So <laughs> Since they banned your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think my most common ones are uh, Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Chris, where can we find yeah. you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L-Y-M-Z-A. Then uh, you can find me on Instagram, Tumblr, and Newgrounds at Amazing Chris Godby. That's a G O D B E Y. You can find my web comics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.thecomic.org. Loop on the third, the first, the duh. <laughs> Featuring Dante from the Double May Cry series. <laughs> and Knuckles. Nice. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's uh, D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. And uh, you can find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. at, the same at. And um, uh, you can find our show on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you know, if you want to, maybe scroll on down. Take a look at that, you know, rating and review section. Maybe give us a, give us a rating. Maybe you know, maybe five stars. Maybe, maybe. Preferably, <laughs> that was good for you. Please, you will. <laughs> it's better than five stars. <laughs> we accept nothing less. <laughs> and uh, to our special guests, uh, Lauren and Emma, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. It was a, it was an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it was super fun. Oh, heck yeah. And of course, we, we, we got a lot more Part 6 coming up. So, of course, the door is open for you to return anytime you'd like. Excellent. <coughs> On that note, see ya. Sorry, I got something caught in my throat. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> I, under, I understand, Drew. I don't want the show to end either. <laughs> You're you're really choking on your goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.